Well, good morning again. If you have a Bible, you can open it to Proverbs chapter 18. And if you'd like to follow along and you don't have one with you, we'll be on page 541 uh, in those black Bibles that are under the chairs. You could grab one of those and pull it out to page 541. We've been going through Proverbs trying to understand this concept of biblical wisdom, this, this understanding of what it means to grow up and to have a maturity so that we have something to offer others. We started with the image of the tree. You see the tree here. The image of the tree that's given to us in Psalm chapter 1. And in Psalm 1, it says that if we listen to God's Word, if we pay attention to what God says, we'll be like a tree that has roots that go down into the water. That we'll have a strength and a weight to us to be able to offer to others. We will be fruitful. uh, We will be strong. And so when we talk about growing up into Christian maturity and listening to wisdom, that's, that's the image that we want to get across. Uh, this morning, we're going to look at what that looks like in the area of our words. Uh, there's this uh, just huge theme throughout Proverbs. It comes again and again back to the concept of words and how you use your words, how important it is uh, to think about how you speak and what you use your speech for. Now, this, this has to fit uh, in contrast to what we saw last week, right? If, if you were here last week, we talked about work. We talked about the concept of how God calls us to work, to be diligent, to get out there and do something, okay? So the power of words can't work against the power of, of your uh, slothfulness, right? So, so words can't overcome that. Your work and your words have to go together, right? If you're, if you're just all talk and your work doesn't line up with that, then it kind of ruins everything. Um, there were a few verses I was going to read about that in Proverbs, but you'll just have to trust me because I, I don't have the first two pages of my notes because my ink ran out. So, um, but, but there's this concept in Proverbs, right, that your words have to coincide with your work, with what you do. It's got to it's gotta line up. Today, though, we're going we're gonna to focus mainly on the Proverbs about our words. What kind of words are we going to use? We're, we've kept going back to this concept in Proverbs 14 and 16 that says there's a way that seems right to a man and the end that leads to death. That applies to the way we speak, too. The way that we speak, if, if left to our own devices, can be destructive, can be hurtful to ourselves and, and to other people. So we'll read, uh, to kind of jump off as a starting point, Proverbs 18.21. Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. It says, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Verse 20 had already referenced this. We didn't really look at verse 20, but it talks about the words you, you speak being like fruit, being something that feeds people, right? So the imagery is that the words we speak can either be poison or they can be good fruit. So the question is, what kind of words do you have? Are your words good food that feed and give life or are your words death and poison? Are you withholding or withholding? Or are you giving bad words. So death and life are in the power of the tongue. Let me pray for us and, and ask God to, to teach us this morning. God, we, we thank you that you love us. We thank you for your grace to us, and we pray that you would teach us this morning. We pray that we would be in a posture to receive your word. Uh, we recognize that you're good. God, we just celebrated through song your, your goodness to us in the death and resurrection of Christ that you gave yourself for us. And so you've proven your goodness. You've proven your kindness to us. And so God, help us uh, by faith to listen then to what you have to say. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. 
Well, we, we talked several weeks ago about the power that words can have in your life through uh, your dad, right? We kind of talked a little bit about this when we were talking about manhood and how important a man's words are, right? Your dad is an important figure. Some of you uh, have had an absent dad. Some of you have had a dad that spoke uh, hard words into your life. Some of you have had good fathers that spoke good things to you. Um, and, and those of you that know me well know that I've had difficulty in my relationship with my dad over the years. He's a good man. But there was a time when I was uh, 19 when it was especially bad, when it was especially hard. Um, and he was uh, speaking a lot of negative words to me, very disappointed in who I was, even as I was uh, seeking to, to walk with God and seeking to do the right thing with my life. Um, and I remember going to talk to my pastor at the time about that and just kind of try, I was just kind of wrecked over the whole thing. I was kind of devastated uh, by it, by my, my dad's disappointment in me as a 19-year-old young man and, and just how hard that was, how devastating that was. And I remember talking to my pastor about it and I didn't really talk to my pastor that often. Um, we've, we've become closer over the years. He's kind of a mentor now and he's the pastor of our sister church in, in Temple over there where all the bad people live. And... Uh, <laughs> So that's, that's a joke because I, I grew up over there, but you know, I left as soon as I could, right, to be with you guys. Um, yeah, thank you. But, uh, but anyway, good folks over there. And I went, in, I went in to talk to him, and, and I remember just kind of trying to sort this out with him, and, and just this one little phrase. I've had these moments in my life, right, where there's something that somebody says, half a sentence, and it sticks with you for your life. And all he said was, you know what, I'd be, I'd be proud if my 12-year-old son ended up like you when he's 19 or 20 years old. That's all he had to say. I mean, just simple words. It wasn't some kind of Shakespearean speech. You know, it wasn't like he didn't exegete the Greek, right? He's a pastor. He didn't like pull out 20 verses. He just, he just spoke a simple phrase and just said, you know, I'd, I'd be proud if my son ended up like you. And that was, that was, you know, as devastating as it was to have my dad disappointed in me, that was devastatingly positive and encouraging to me in those moments. And, and I want you to get the vision that you can speak those kinds of words to people that have a transformative effect on their life, that change the course of their life. Those words were spoken to me when I was 19, and I probably would have gone a very different direction in life. I want you to understand that Proverbs says that, that you have that power, that words are very powerful, that they change people, that they influence people. And you don't want to get, you know, we don't want to get caught up in this kind of word of faith weirdness that words are magical and we, we disconnect that from the work of God in the universe, right? There's, there's some dangerous things that go on in American Christianity where this whole word of faith concept where it's so much of an emphasis is put on the power and the magic of words uh, that Jesus and the cross is just kind of left behind. Uh, we have to emphasize the ultimate power of the word of Jesus Christ who came to save sinners you and me, right? So just the magic and the power and the influence of words can't overcome our own sinfulness apart from the work of Christ and what he's done for us. But today, I really, I really want to take some time for us to really recognize how important our words really are. Our words are important, and God tells us to use them for good. So the first thing to emphasize is that power, the power of words. Words are very powerful. They, they cut deep. They, they penetrate. It says, in Proverbs 18, 8, that the words of the gossip are like choice morsels that go down to a man's inmost parts. This idea that they, they go down into you, right? Words have this penetration power. They come inside of us and they change us from the inside out. I want you to flip and, and look this one up, Proverbs 12. Flip over to Proverbs 12, 18. I think this is, one that is an important one when it talks about the power of words. 
Proverbs 12, 18, if, if you're in the little uh, black Bibles under the chairs, it's page 536. Proverbs 12, 18 says, There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. So it sets up for us this contrast in the power of words, right? That your words can be devastating like a sword or your words can be healing, right? They can be destructive or they can uh, be restorative. And, and so I, I got a picture here of a sword, I found this picture. This is like a Spartan sword, right? And, and when you see that sword, it's just, it's just clear that's, that's designed for destruction and mayhem, right? I mean, that, that, is, a, that is a sword for war. That's, that's made to kill. And in Proverbs 12, uh, 18, it says that some people's reckless words are like that. They're like the thrusting of a sword. It's just meant to cut you down. And sometimes we use our words that way. Sometimes we speak words in that way, and then we regret what we've said. I have another picture here of someone holding uh, a very tiny sword. Um, I don't know if you can tell what that is by the picture. Can, can you see what that is there? Anybody know what that is? A scalpel. Yeah, I heard some of you say that. That's a scalpel. So if I want to look tough and if I want to look impressive, I would pull out the big Spartan sword, right? And I would wave that around. And sometimes we use our words that way. We're trying to impress and try to make ourselves seem bigger and more powerful than we are. Um, but if I want to heal, I might pull out a scalpel, Right? A surgeon would use a scalpel, and if you were 20 feet away, you wouldn't even know what I had in my hand, right? It's so small. It's so precise. And really, it's, it's not made to kill. It's made to heal. It's made to restore someone. It's made to help someone find health. And so Proverbs sets up that tension for us. What, what kind of words are you using? Are you using big words, trying to press, trying to throw them around, being reckless with your words, damaging people like a sword? Are your words careful? And are, we, are your words precise? And do your words bring healing to people? <coughs> Excuse me. I'm almost over the cold. The power of words. We can use them for good or for bad. There's other Proverbs. I won't make you flip around to all of these. But in Proverbs 16.27 is another one that says that words are like a fire. Words can, they can just rage out of control. Our, our words can be like a fire that's out of control. Some of you saw the, the fires in Bastrop last year nearby. That, that's... Uh, the closest area to us that has trees, and a lot of those trees are gone now. There's a, a, big, a big park there with lots of fire. Um, Colorado Springs, some of you know people out there. We had some friends that were at the Air Force Academy, had to be evacuated, right? They're just You've seen the devastating power of fire, and Proverbs says words can be like that too. They can be like a sword that you're just swinging around. They can be like a fire that's burning out of control. You may have driven down the highway and seen the black spots you know, where the grass fires go out of control, and they just burn. They just tear things up. It says our words can, can be that way. Proverbs 10.11 says that our words can be like violence. Our words can be like violence. So all these, all these different images are trying to show us how damaging these words can be. And that we have to be careful and, and judicious about how we use our words. We have to be wise, right? We have to pay attention to what God says to us. What I want to tell you is that I think we all have a problem with our words. And I think we could basically boil it down into, into two problems. And I could take half of you and you could come over here and stand with me and my problem and the other half could stand over here with some other people and their problem. And, and half of us like to be kind with our words. I'm, I'm a little more this way. We like to be kind. It's so tempting that there's stairs here. I want to like step on them and stuff. They're not, they're not ever here. Um, some of us just want to be kind with our words and be gracious, right? And that's kind of just the way God's wired me. I... I uh, I, I, I like to use kind words, right? I, don't, I like to encourage people. I like to be gracious with words. But when I have to say hard things to people, it's more difficult, right? 
So God's called me to be a pastor, and that, you know, the blessing is I get to sometimes hide behind God's Word, right? If I have to say a hard thing to you, I get to hide behind the Word and say, well, the Word says, says this, and so God enables me to still speak truth to people and speak hard things to people because of His Word. But just by temperament, I'd rather just say nice things to you. I mean, that's just the way I'm wired. I'd, I'd just rather be nice, and if you're doing something stupid, I'd rather just look the other way, right? And that's the way I'm wired, and probably a lot of you are that way too. Then there's, there's some of you that are wired more like, I'm a truth teller, and that's just who I am, and if people don't like it, forget them, right? So some of you got amen for that one, right? And so some of you are more wired that way, and you just, you tell it like it is, and let the chips fall where they may, right? Yeah, you're like, yeah, I love that. That's a beautiful vision of how I should live my life. Well, biblically, biblically we're, already, we're always pressed to bring those two things together, Right? And what we do is we'll go through and we'll underline the verses that justify our position, right? Proverbs is great for that. You can find a proverb that agrees with you, and then you don't underline the other ones that you don't like, right? That are a little harder. So here's the one if you're a truth teller. This is the one that truth tellers love. Proverbs 27, 6. Those of you that are truth tellers that know your Bible, you've, you've memorized this one. Proverbs 27, 6 says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Here, let's flip over to it because, again, I still haven't gotten to the part of my notes that I can read. Proverbs 27, 6, faithful are the wounds of a friend, profuse are the kisses of an enemy. So the the truth teller says, you're just being nice people, you're just like kissing up to them, you're just flattering them, right? Like an enemy that's just flattering and giving kisses, but faithful are the wounds of a friend. I tell the truth, right? And so again, this is true, it's right, faithful are the wounds of a friend. If your friend never speaks the truth to you, they're not really your friend. So, so like me, who that's hard for me. I want to be kind. I want to be nice. And if someone's doing something stupid, I just kind of want to look the other way and wince, you know. Um, I, I've got to tell people the truth. And when I'm really being your friend, I'm going to tell you the truth, even when it's a hard thing, even if it's, you know what, I know you're not going to like me for this, but you're doing something stupid, right? And I have to learn to overcome that. And so there's a lot of you that are like me, by temperament, you want to be gracious all the time, but... But you have to remember this verse, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Many are the kisses of an enemy. We have to speak truth to people. Then, then there's the other side of it. Um, Proverbs 12.25 says this. <clears throat> Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. So you can come to someone who is full of anxiety, and if you're just a truth teller, you can be like, you're stupid, get over it, Right? Probably not living up to this verse. It says, anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. Do you bring gladness to people? So if you're a truth teller, the challenge would be, are you, are you like a breath of fresh air? Do you bring, you bring gladness to somebody's heart? Or are you just hard? You're just like, there's the truth. Move on. Get over it. Proverbs 51, 15, one, excuse me, flip over just one page. If, if you're in the Black Bibles, it's just the very next page. Proverbs 15.1 is a famous one. A lot of us know a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. These things are all true. They're all true. The only way we can be both of these is is supernaturally by the Holy Spirit. Because again, by temperament, we're just going to do one or the other. By temperament, you're going to be a soft answer turns away wrath or faithful of the wounds of a friend. The Holy Spirit allows us to understand how to put those things together. Say that's one of the big problems that we've had with the homosexuality debate and the Chick-fil-A stuff over the last week. If you've watched the stuff on, on Facebook, everybody's just kind of taking sides. 
I'm the truth guy. This is right and wrong. I don't care what people think. I'm the friendly guy. I'm going to make friends and, and be nice about it. As Christians, we're to be both. As Christians, we're to say, this is what God's word says, and God's word says that, that, that these certain behaviors are, are wrong. That he has a standard, and he says, this is wrong, and this is right, and when you do these things, it's going to hurt you. And God loves you, and he doesn't want to do, you to do stupid things that, that hurt you. It, he, as Christians, we're to bring these things together. We're to be kind and gentle and have a soft answer, and we're to speak truth. If something's wrong, if, if God says this is bad and damaging to you, we need to be able to say that, but we have to do it kindly. And, and I would argue that Facebook is probably not the place to make your statements, okay? If it's a soundbite and it's just one sentence, you're probably not going to get across the whole complexity of what the Holy Spirit wants you to get across. God may be calling you to actually have real relationships with people where, where you befriend them, you get to know them. And I'm not trying to... I'm on Facebook, okay. I'm not saying it's evil. I mean, it's kind of evil, but um, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm on there too. But we have to be in real relationship with people. It, to, to be able to communicate the complexity of faithful are the wounds of a friend and a soft answer turns away wrath. I mean, you have to be in a real relationship with someone. You have to know them. You have to sit down and, and you know, have a, have a, I almost said the wrong thing. You, you know, have a drink with them, right? You have to sit down and You have to get to know them. You have to spend time with them. You have to care for them. And so that's what God calls us to, to be in real relationships so that we can speak godly words to them and use the power of the word to heal and to restore and to help people to understand what God is really like. And again, we can only do that by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is supernatural. On our own, we're just going to do one or the other. On our own, we're just going to look like a caricature, right? On my own, I'm just going to be the nice guy that's always afraid to say anything true. And, and on your own, you may be just, I'm just going to speak hard truth, but everybody's going to you know, run the other way when they see me coming. God calls us to, to bring those together in a way that uniquely the gospel is the only religion I believe that brings that together. It says that God tells you that he's absolutely holy and righteous, and you're not. You're a sinner. I'm a sinner. But you know what else God tells you? He loves you so much. He entered space and time. He became one of us. He suffered like us. He died for us. He took our sins upon himself. He lived the perfect life that we couldn't live. He gave himself for us. The gospel says that we are sinners that need to change, and we are loved more than we could imagine. The the next thing I want us to see kind of jumps off of this, and that's the beauty of words. There's this mysterious beauty of well-used words. And again, kind of going back to that illustration of of my pastor when he encouraged me. He didn't, he didn't speak to me in poetry. He, he didn't say anything flowery. He just spoke good words to me, and there was something very beautiful and transformative about simple and good and kind words. And we see this in Proverbs. Uh, Proverbs 24, 26. If you flip over a few pages, read Proverbs 24, 26. One uh, song, it's a song that some people like to hate uh, that David Crowder sings called He Loves Us. We sing it sometimes here. And it says uh, that it's like an unforeseen kiss, right? His grace is like an unforeseen kiss. And so that makes some people uncomfortable because, you know, we don't want to think about God liking us that much and stuff. But, but Proverbs uses that kind of language here. Proverbs uses it in Proverbs twenty four twenty six. It says, whoever gives an honest answer kisses the lips. It's this beautiful image, right? It's like a kiss. That's what good speech is like. It's beautiful. 
And if I described a kiss to you and said, uh, a kiss is uh, when the mandibles of one human, the fleshy parts of the mandibles of one human uh, connects to the fleshy parts. Of, you know, I mean, like, you, you just get lost real fast, right? But when you experience it, you're like, wow, they, they just gave me a kiss. That was nice. I said my wife was in the earlier service, and I was like, if I were to kiss you, blah, blah. And she was like, oh, what? And so I'm not going to kiss all of you, okay? <laughs> but hopefully I'll have the chance to demonstrate that in, in speech. And that's what Proverbs is saying. When, when you speak kindly to someone, it's like just giving them a kiss. It's this beautiful experience. I have a picture here um, of, a, of a mama kissing her baby, right? Just just hugging your child. I mean, when I, when I pick up my daughter and I give a kiss on her forehead, it's just, I'm communicating, I love you. And that's the way that our words can be. Our words can be used that way. I know I'm making the truth tellers very uncomfortable and I apologize. Um, look, at, uh, look at Proverbs 13.3. Flip over to Proverbs 13.3. One of the beauties is uh, can be summarized by Shakespeare's statement that brevity is the soul of wit. Have you ever heard that one before? Right? Brevity is the soul of wit. What that means uh, in English is uh, being brief with your words shows how wise you really are. Okay, Brevity is the soul of wit. And we see this in a couple of different Proverbs. So Proverbs 13.3, and then I'm going to go to Proverbs 17 right after that. But Proverbs 13.3 says, Whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. He who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. So it's this idea, if you guard your mouth, you're guarding your life. You have a, you have a check there, but if you open wide your mouth, it's just going to cause all kinds of problems, right? You have to have some self-control. You have to think about what you say. And it says it uh, again in a different way in Proverbs 17. If you flip to Proverbs 17, 28, it says, Even a fool he keeps, who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. So when you think about the beauty of words, when you think about words that are like a kiss on the lips, uh, just think about this, that sometimes just being quiet can, can make you seem intelligent, right? Sometimes just not saying anything can be good. And so again, I think for the truth tellers, sometimes this can be helpful. Those of you that just like to kind of swing your words around and I just got to say what I got to say. It says, you know what? There's, have a check on the words that you speak. And you can come across as really wise when you don't say anything at all. There can be a beauty to that, to just holding your tongue, to a person uh, reserving themselves, guarding their lips and not speaking, even if they want to. There's another image just in the previous verse, so 17.28, look back one verse, it says in 17.27, whoever restrains his words has knowledge, and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Whoever restrains his word has knowledge, and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. This is the picture of being a breath of fresh air, right? A cool spirit, the word for spirit is really the word for wind in the Old Testament and the New Testament both. It's just this idea of of this breath of fresh air. If you have a cool spirit, if you restrain yourself, you bring this peace and serenity. Again, that's what God is calling us to. This vision of being that kind of person, when you come in, the room people don't cringe or you know or do this right but you bring a breath of fresh air they're not afraid of 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 you striking them with your words but they see you as someone bringing a breath of fresh air to them and then we see this kind of concept of of the uh the artistry in in chapter 25 flip over a few few pages to chapter 25 
Proverbs 25.11 says, A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. So again, you don't have to speak flowery language. You don't have to say fancy things and sound smart and educated. Just speak the truth and speak it graciously. Right, That vision we talked about before of balancing those two things out. Just be gracious and be truthful. And if you speak that way in simple words, it's like gold and silver. It's like beauty. It's, it's art. You make beauty with your words. Even if you're not a poet, even if you're not a songwriter, you bring beauty into other people's lives. So the question is, is, is that who we are? I mean, is, is that what you bring in the room? Is that what you bring to the relationships that you have? And sadly, sometimes we're the worst with the people that we love the most, right? I mean, I'm a professional speaker, and I, I counsel people, and I preach, but I'm not always as careful with the words I use with my children or with my wife. That's a shame. Proverbs says that I should always be this kind of person, that I should guard my words, that I should speak kindness and grace and truth and encourage and build up with my words. And that's my question for us. Are are we that way? And do we give that kind of care to the people that we love the most? The last thing I want us to think about is is what goes wrong, the source of words. So, So if we recognize we're not always good at doing this, right? Then, then where do our words come from? How do we really get a hold of this issue in our life? Because we recognize we can't always do this. And I alluded earlier to the, just the concept that this is really a supernatural thing, that it requires a relationship with God. It requires the Holy Spirit changing us for us to be able to really use our words well. And we see this uh, in several Proverbs that refer uh, to our words gushing out of us like something coming out of a uh, spring, Right? that they spring up out, out of our hearts. If you look at Proverbs 15, flip over to Proverbs 15, 28. <clears throat> it's on page 539 in the Black Bibles. It's Proverbs 15, verse 28. It says, The heart of the righteous ponders how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. So that's where it starts. Are you even thinking about what you're saying? Do you recognize your own sinful tendency to just gush out stupid stuff? You know, do you, do you see that, that we have a heart problem? Do you, do you recognize that, I mean, there's something wrong with me? I don't always say the right thing. I use my words incorrectly. Either, you know, like I said earlier, we tend to fall in these camps. Maybe I speak the truth, but I don't really care about people. Or maybe I'm nice, but I'm not really telling people the full truth. Do, do we recognize that problem in our own heart? that the wicked just gushes out evil. It's like a, like a spring. Well, Proverbs calls us to, to learn, right? To come to God. You know, we talked about this throughout the series, the fear of the Lord, recognizing that we're small before Him, humbling ourselves before Him. As we come to Him, He can begin to transform us and we can begin to be uh, renewed. And we see this in Proverbs 4. And we'll just end there. There won't be any, any more Proverbs flipping. Proverbs 4.23. It says, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. The Bible talks about this, this issue of the heart. And we see the, this talked about in the prophets in the Old Testament, Ezekiel 36 and Jeremiah 31. It says there's something wrong with our hearts. And so it's not good enough for us to just look at the law and say, I'm going to do what the law says. God needs to do something totally new and put the law on our hearts. 
We can't just walk up to it and say, I'm going to do what's right today. And we fail, and we fail again. It's, it describes us in the prophecies in, in Ezekiel 36 and Jeremiah 31 as this new covenant. God's going to make a new covenant with us, a new covenant where he presses the law into our hearts, where his word is no longer this thing over here, but his word gets implanted into us and begins to transform us. Proverbs says, above all else, guard your hearts, for out of that is the wellspring of life. In the ESV, it says, keep it with all vigilance. In the NIV, it says, guard it. It's, it's saying, pay attention to your heart. Pay attention to your heart. Where is your heart? That's the question for us. Our, our question is, where is our heart? And have we had that kind of transformational experience of recognizing the weakness of our own heart? That just on my own, I can't do what's right. I can't say the right things. I can't use my words well. Do we recognize that source and the brokenness of our own hearts? And then have you come to Jesus to solve your problem? In John chapter 4, Jesus is talking to this adulterous woman who's tried a million relationships. And uh, he says, yeah, I know, I know you've got these issues with relationships. And most commentators believe that he's alluding to you've been trying to, to cure your heart problem with a string of relationships. But he loves her anyway. And what he says is, if you knew who I was, you would come to me and ask me to drink, and I would solve this thirst that you have, that you've been trying to solve with all these relationships. He says in, in John 4, 14, whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. The water will I, that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. He comes back to this theme in John 7. He says, if anyone comes to me, as the scriptures have said, springs of living water will spring up from within him. It's a great quote in John 7 because he says, as the scriptures have said, but he's not quoting a specific prophecy. He's saying, as the entire Old Testament alludes to, if you come to the, if you come to the Messiah, if you come to Jesus, springs of new life will well up from within you. So as we envision what it looks like to, to use our words well, we have to recognize Jesus who is the Word, right? He wants us to use our words well. He wants us to be wise. Oh, there's a picture of a spring. I forgot to tell you about that. Um, this, this is when I, when I went to camp as a kid, they actually had a real spring there in the creek. Anybody ever seen like a, a spring where they get fresh water from? It's amazing. Uh, and we would go and we'd just drink right out of the creek. It was just bubbled up out of the ground. It was ice cold and it was perfectly clear and wonderful. And that's, that's the vision that God has for us. That instead of us having a heart that gushes out nasty stuff, right, that, that we would come to him, he would remake us. As Ezekiel 36 says, he would give us a new heart, take out our broken heart, give us a new heart, and we would become this clear spring that, that gushes out life-giving waters. That, that's the vision. This, the, it was so clear, it was so pure, it was so good, and that's the vision that God has for us. Well, as I said, we have, we have to come to Jesus as the Word to make sense of all this. And In John 1, it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word took on flesh, and it lived among us. So we have this concept of not only that our words have power and our words matter as we speak, but Jesus is the ultimate Word. And he's that ultimate word of truth and grace, it says in John 1. He's the one who comes to us and says, yes, you are a sinner. Yes, you have wandered. I, I don't have a righteousness of my own. I can't always make the right decisions. I can't always say the right things. 
and I recognize I'm broken, and I humble myself before God. And he also says, you know what? I love you more than you can imagine, so much that I died for you. I gave myself for you to restore you into perfect relationship with myself. That's the vision. That's the word that Jesus has for you. Let me pray for us. God, we thank you that you love us so much that you speak words of grace and truth through Jesus Christ. God, help us to recognize the truth that we are sicker than we realize and help us to recognize your grace that you restore us through Christ, that you offer us life. Help us to come to the waters. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.